From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and joining me this week is Peter Cohn, the budget and tax policy editor at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Pete. Great to be here, David. Thanks. And this was supposed to be the week when this huge package of aid for Ukraine was going to sail through Congress. We thought Democrats had paved the way for this by by separating out the controversial COVID-19 funding that they also want to pass and just do Ukraine aid. It was going to sail through. Biden said we need it immediately. And it didn't happen. It got tied up in the Senate on Thursday. There's little doubt it's going to get approved next week, but this was a striking example, Pete, of the power of a lone senator to gum up the works. Yeah, I mean, I think you also have to put it in perspective a little bit, David, because, you know, if you recall, the president put out his statement last Monday and he said, you know, his people have told him that the money will run out in 10 days, about 10 days, right? So that would be next Thursday, presumably. So, um, you know, right then and there, you know, he wasn't saying I have to have this on my desk yesterday. He was saying I need it in 10 days. So, you know, then what happens is the House introduces the bill on Tuesday at about 3 p.m., a little bit after 3 p.m. Now, remember, it's about $40 billion. Okay. I mean, you know, we've had a lot of trillion dollar packages lately. So I think people are kind of immune or, or sort of desensitized to, to these large numbers. But we got to keep in mind, this is $40 billion introduced at about three o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. And the leadership had already scheduled it for a floor vote that day. So it goes to the floor and it passes maybe around, I don't know, like 10 o'clock Tuesday night. So let, let's just you know review the bidding here a little bit. Biden says on Monday, I need this in 10 days. Here's what I'm going to do to make that happen. House introduces it Tuesday about 3 p.m. It goes to the floor and passes by 10 p.m. that night, $40 billion. Right. Okay. Now it's only 30 pages. So you might argue, well, you know, that that's we've seen a lot of 2,000 page pills fly through and in no time at all around here. But, you know, still there's a little bit of sticker shock around around the hill. Now, you know, and then they still were making changes to it right up until practically the moment it passed the house. So they had to go back in and add another three hundred million dollars for uh, to replenish Pentagon weapons that were being shipped over to, to to Ukraine. So, you know, these things happen. And then, of course, you get to the Senate. To your point, David, um, you need unanimous consent to move quickly. Uh, we know this is going to pass. It, it's always, you know, they've always had the votes for this to pass. It got three hundred and sixty-eight votes in the House. It'll get, you know, probably eighty something in, in the Senate. So th- that's it's a foregone conclusion. But when you have the ability in, in the Senate to make your point and make it known, and in this case, you know, it's not as if terrible things were going to happen if it didn't pass yesterday. Because again, the president said he had t- they have 10 dates, okay? So if you're Rand Paul, who is very historically skeptical of foreign aid in general, um, he's going to use that opportunity to make his point. And yet a number of other senators too, who found it very convenient to be able to go out there and get their message out, right? I mean, you right. had just yesterday, Senator Bill Haggerty from Tennessee. He said, look, we're talking about trying to protect Supreme Court justices and their families and, and, and staff, and, you know, and, and but there's no money for it. So I'm going to go out and make a stink about that. 
And then you had Senator Ernst who's saying, you know, her farmers in Iowa can't actually, there's $5 billion in this bill to ship food aid overseas. Okay. But it's sitting, sitting there and it's not getting shipped because of these uh, half century old laws that prevent the use of, of uh, foreign flag vessels to get the, the food delivered. So, you know, she had a, a prime opportunity to make that point and ultimately did. She got her message out. We covered it. <laughs> Others did too. So, um, you know, the Senate is an amazing institution where you can really use these opportunities, you know, <laughs> to your advantage if you, if you want. And again, there was no, the you know, the Ukraine resistance was not going to collapse today if they didn't pass this yesterday. No, I mean, it, yes, a few more days into next week probably isn't going to matter that much. Although what I, I would argue the optics don't look great for the Senate when this happens. I mean, this is war. People are dying every single day. The Ukrainians have been screaming, we need more weapons yesterday. And even when the funding gets approved, it's not clear. It takes a long time to get those weapons into the battlefield. I mean, the, approving the funding is just the starting gate. Uh, there's a long road to get those weapons over there. Uh, you know, it's not even clear that all of you know, how much has, has reached them so far. And when that's all going on and the Senate can't get its act together to get this through, even though there's broad bipartisan support for it, nobody except Rand Paul, the Kentucky maverick, was arguing this money is not needed. You know, it just it doesn't make the Senate look good. It's not the end of the world. They will approve the aid next week, almost certainly. Um, but that is the power of, of Senate rules, I guess, where, where a single senator can hold it up because you do need unanimous consent if you want to move that quickly in that chamber. Yeah. And, and but David, you know, I would just point out that uh, the Senate rules are also designed to uh, the shoe can be on the other foot. Let's put it that way. And so you may have an instance here where one senator takes a stand that you may find rather politically distasteful uh, if you're if if that's your your point of view. But another time you may have a lone senator take a stand that ends up you know stopping something that you really really don't want to see happen. Well, so sure, it works. Sure. It, the shoe's right. on the other foot. That's the way the Senate works, and right. you know that. That's the way it's always been, and of course, there are you know the the periodic pushes to to get rid of the filibuster. Of course, that's always going to be the case. But there are those who will say, "Remember, the shoe can and has been on the other foot." If it's not Rand Paul today, maybe it's Bernie Sanders tomorrow on something that people on the the left will really stand up and applaud. You know, you just don't know. And we should say Rand Paul stated reason for objecting was he wanted this the special inspector general we have that oversees Afghanistan reconstruction money to also be put in charge of all of this Ukraine money to guard against waste and fraud. That was his stated reason, but almost nobody actually saw his language that he wanted to put in the bill. He didn't make it widely available. And it's clear that wasn't the real reason here, right? I mean, they were offering to a similar bill that John Kennedy had from Louisiana also to monitor the money, and, and that wasn't good enough for Rand Paul. Democrats said there were other things in Rand Paul's language that went way beyond Ukraine. 
We still don't know what those are. Um, but the real reason was Rand Paul simply opposes this bill. And he spent a lot of time on the Senate floor yesterday making that point, saying we can't save Ukraine by by going bankrupt, essentially. Uh, he thinks it's way too much money. And that is just is his argument, is that the, the government's spending too much money all the time without paying for it. And he's not a big fan of foreign aid to begin with. And so he was determined to use his power, which he rightfully has as the lone senator here, to hold this up despite this broad bipartisan backing. And it was clear how frustrated Senate leaders were on both parties uh, as they tried to get this bill moving and they just couldn't overcome his objection. Well, you know, David, Rand Paul answers to the people of Kentucky and they'll make that decision when the time comes. Yeah, it also pit it also put pits Kentucky's two senators against each other in this in this instance where Mitch McConnell, the other Republican from Kentucky, was adamantly trying to get this to get this bill through and was insisting that they had to pass it yesterday, Thursday, uh, and was working closely with Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, to get that done, and couldn't overcome uh, the objection from his fellow Kentuckian. Yeah, you know, this is this, look. There's, there's a long storied history of in the Paul family of opposing things that are very popular with most of the other uh, members of Congress, okay, and, and the American people. But you know, I, there is a bigger picture here that you do have to look at, and that is the fact that the number one issue right now for voters, and I'm not saying this is tangential. I'm not saying this is maybe just tangentially related. It's not as if this bill was going to open the floodgates to um, you know another inflation spike. But the number one issue for voters right now, by far, is inflation. Right. And you know you heard that in Rand Paul's comments yesterday. Pretty much anybody is going to use inflation right now as a justification for anything they want to do or anything they want to block when it comes to legislation. So Rand Paul said, "Look, having spent so much money hand over fist." The last couple of years, isn't it time to t- to take a step back and t- and review what exactly it is we're doing? And you know, again, the Senate gives you that opportunity. You can go and be heard. And um, you know, we're seeing on the House side right now. Next week, the House is going to take up uh, what they believe is is an answer to inflation, and that's this bill to crack down on price gouging by companies that sell gasoline and other fu- motor fuels because right obviously gasoline and other motor fuels have contributed greatly to the spike in inflation we've been seeing this week so inflation is just completely dominating the agenda on both sides of the capital and anybody's going to find an opportunity to work that in to make their their arguments now you know you may have you have democrats in the house who flat out don't like the oil companies. And so they, they would have probably liked to do this anyway, even in the absence of inflation. But you know, I, I'm just telling you that this is an issue that's underpinning everything that's going on. And even though this is only $40 billion and it's not likely to exacerbate inflation in any significant way, this, supple, this Ukraine supplemental, that really is at the core of, uh, of the argument here. Right. And, and to your point, Pete, we should point out you know, our eyes do tend to glaze over after dealing with trillions of dollars in pandemic relief. This is only forty billion, but in terms of a foreign aid bill, 
this is pretty huge. Uh, I mean, I can't think of a bigger foreign aid package we've ever had. I think the whole foreign aid budget is close to $40, 50000000000 billion a year. Uh, and this is $40 billion just for Ukraine. It's a, it, this is a hefty thing. And this comes on top of $13.5 billion that they had just approved in March. We're talking significant foreign aid funding. And foreign aid is never all that popular normally in Congress. Keep in mind, 57 Republicans in the House voted against this. Right. Okay. You know, that's not, obviously, that's a very small, fairly small majority, uh, minority in the House, but they're representing their constituents. And, you know, you, you talk about the divide between Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell has a long history with foreign aid. McConnell was the top Republican for many, many years on, this far, on the Foreign Operations Subcommittee on Appropriations. You know, there are certain countries he feels emotional ties to, including, you know, Burma is one. He's had a long history of, of trying to support efforts to restore democracy in Burma, for instance. Um, so he's worked very closely with Senator Leahy, the chairman of the Appropriations Committee in the Senate, longtime Foreign Operations Appropriations top Democrat. So Mitch McConnell is not one of these Republicans opposed to foreign aid. Um, neither is Lindsey Graham who's the top Republican on foreign, on foreign operations in, in, the, in the Senate. But my point is, there certainly has always been this strain within the Republican Party that Rand Paul represents. And Rand Paul has always tried to offer amendments when foreign aid bills come to the floor, to offset them, to cut them, to do this, that, and the other thing. So, you know, this is really not new. And now when you have, in this environment where there is a perception that all of the spending over the last few years has really has really filtered through to the inflationary environment that we're in. Um, it, it, it really, it lends credence in, in at least in the view of, uh, of these Republicans who are, who are taking these positions. And so what does this mean now, Pete, for the process? Obviously because of Rand Paul's objection, Schumer had to file cloture, it's called, to, to limit debate on the bill. Uh, this is going to drag out into into most of next week now, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, this happens every time. I mean, it, it, what it, Schumer, you have to do what's called a motion to proceed to, le- to most legislation uh, in the Senate. So that's what Schumer did last night. He filed cloture on the motion to proceed, which starts a 30-hour clock into the, the vote. The cloture, actual cloture vote will be Monday night at 530. And this is the power of one senator. So that's that's the first 30-hour clock. Right. And then if that one senator or any other senator wanted to, post-cloture, which we assume it's going to get – we know it's going to get 60 votes to, to cloture. So then um, that triggers another 30-hour clock. So if you do the math, you run out the, the, the entire string here. You know, we could easily end up at Thursday, the date that uh, you know the, the president says that he has to have this money before the bill passes. But we all know it's going to pass. It's been a fait accompli basically from the beginning. It's right. going to pass. The only question has has always been how many senators are going to are going to want to make their points and for how long. And so that's what we're we're going to find out early next week. Maybe it passes Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. We don't know yet. It's up to whatever deal they can cut with Rand Paul or not. If they can't cut a deal with Rand Paul, or maybe some other concern emerges, then they have to run out the entire string of this pro- of this process which conceivably could take us to, to Thursday. And of course, the longer it takes them to get this done, the longer 
it takes to get to any sort of compromise, probably on the COVID relief package that that uh, Democrats want to pass. Clearly, that's not going to happen next week now, but they, it's probably going to need more time anyway, because they still don't have any kind of bipartisan agreement on a package because of this fight over immigration policy that Republicans are insisting on. I don't know. Can they get that done by Memorial Day? Maybe. It depends on how much of a case the administration can make that you absolutely have to have this this money right away. You know, there's a lot of support for it, but they haven't made the case to the, to the Republicans. I mean, some of them, Mitt Romney and, and several others are, are uh, in support of at least $10 billion, which is less than half of what the Republicans want. But yeah, I mean, what, you just Less than half of what the White House wants. What the right. White House wants. I, right. I, I'm sorry. Right. So uh, White House wants $22.5 billion. Uh, you know, and Nancy Pelosi said it should be even higher than that. So, you know, there's, a, there's just a, a, ma- a massive divide and you have Congress is completely divided down the middle between the part between the parties. I mean, there's, again, it's a sticker shock. It's the fact that there is, there are resources that have not been spent yet that, you know, the argument is you can move those over and cover the more immediate urgent needs that the administration is, is laying out there. So, um, you know, I, nobody knows we're not here to make predictions, David. I mean, we can, we can try to make predictions. Is this going to get done by, by Memorial day? I don't know. That depends on what are the consequences the administration can lay out specifically, specific nightmare scenarios that will occur if they do not pass this by by Memorial Day. And right now, the Republicans aren't convinced that that nightmare uh, scenario will ex- uh, exist. Yeah. And they definitely want it all paid for by tapping some unspent money from previous pandemic relief laws, money that's already been appropriated. They did have, as you said, a a tentative deal for $10 billion of that. But then that got tied up in this immigration fight over what's called Title 42, this policy put in during the Trump administration to block migrants from coming into the country during the pandemic. And they're going to insist on a vote on that to preserve that policy and we still don't know if there's any compromise on that. And until they can figure something out on that piece, it doesn't seem like there's any way for the for the pandemic aid to move forward. Yeah, it's, it's possible the courts take care of the Title 42 issue, which potentially could remove that as a uh, as a chess piece in this uh, in this chess match. But we'll see. It just if if the nightmare scenario is convincing enough, they'll move. You know, that's why the uh, the Ukraine package is going to pass, because the nightmare scenario has been laid out clearly. But I think you're going to find much less support among Republicans for doing more for the uh, the, co- the COVID relief. I mean, you know, and there, frankly, there are some Democrats who are looking at this and saying, well, five billion dollars going to Pfizer for, uh, you know, for the pills that the, that the government's already ordered. Um, you know, there's concern about that. So, you know, I, again, there's just doesn't seem to be the sense of urgency there with that bill that there is with the Ukraine bill. And, um, you know, and even if the Ukraine bill doesn't pass until next Thursday, that's still pretty quick. If you think about it, you know, a little more than a week it took, but from introduction, there used to be times back when they were debating bills that were much larger than this or not even that much larger for uh, during the Iraq and Afghanistan wars in the early 2000s. I mean, there were there was a, an extensive 
debate process. There was there were committee markups. Can you imagine that committee markups? <laughs> yeah, of, they su- did. Of, of an emergency supplemental. Yeah, it's true. They just rammed this through. There's no question about yeah, that. Yeah, if so- somebody said today, "Oh, we ha- we should have a committee markup of an emergency supplemental," they'd be laughed out of the room. They'd yeah. be saying, "Well, you're 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 just you're part of the flat Earth Society. You don't want to help people." And before we go, Pete, uh, we should just note there's another aid package kicking around, although it doesn't seem as though it's going to have much momentum now, which is this package to help restaurants and small other small businesses that have been hit during the economic shutdowns. There's a Senate bill for $48 billion just for that, mostly unpaid for, that it seems to be struggling to get enough Republican support. My gut sense is it's not, it's pretty much on life support right now. Yeah, that one. I mean, you know, you don't even have support from the White House on that. They, they don't think it's, even the White House thinks that's going <laughs> to exacerbate inflation. Um, and, you know, they've, they've given plenty of money to, to small businesses. And, you know, I mean, you can argue the need is there. I mean, our colleague, Lindsay McPherson has laid out some, you know, very compelling stories from small business owners across the country. Uh, obviously the restaurants have a hole that, that hasn't been filled yet. Um, you know, there's a lot of support for this and, and, you know, you could make a strong argument that uh, a lot of people do need that money, but it just, I mean, if they're fighting over $10 billion for, um, you know, life-saving drugs and, in, in, in the, you know, COVID-19 response, um, I, I, it's just very hard to see how another 50 billion for businesses that, I mean, you know, let's be honest, we're, we're, we're reopening. I mean, the economy is reopened. People are out there again. I mean, you know, cases are, are on the rise and there's still fear out there about COVID, but it's just really hard to, to go in there and sell another $50 billion at this time when, you know, a lot of businesses are getting back on their feet. Now, it, you know, it's heartbreaking to hear the stories from some of these business owners about what the, the sacrifices they've had to make, but it, it's, it's just harder to make the case when, you're, you know, you're not necessarily in that emergency environment anymore where um, the entire bottom has dropped out of the economy where, you know, we may end up back in a recession. That's true, which inflation might, might drive and the Fed might drive us right back in a re- recession. That is true. So, you know, they may have to reevaluate that. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's really hard to see that getting through, uh, you know, by the end of next week or, or whatever, uh, you know, before the Memorial Day recess. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on it, but um, it seems to be on life support, and it, it, it's going to have a huge problem getting through, particularly if 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 it if most of it's unpaid for and deepens the deficit. It's hard to see Republican support. Yeah, I would just make one last point on that: is just remember we're talking about forty billion for Ukraine war effort and feeding hungry people around the world who can't get food as a result of that effort. That's forty billion. And David, you talked about how, how urgent that was. You know, right. you made you made a very persuasive right. You know, why are they waiting till next week to pass this? They should have passed it yesterday. Okay, that's forty billion dollars. Look at the restaurant package. Forty-eight billion. Yeah, that's 50, that's 50, that is the problem. Is the sticker shock? Yeah, fifty-five billion in in the house bill for restaurants and other uh, businesses. Yeah. So it's just hard to to say. Okay, that is an emergency that's you know has to get done in the nick of time, like the Ukraine package does. That's the dilemma, but we will watch it for you. Thank you, Pete, again for being here again, joining me this week. Thanks very much, David. And that does it for us, but we will be back with you next week. 